Hello. Hi. <laughs> um, welcome to the Do You Know Her podcast, where we're going to be letting you guys know about some pretty cool women that we find throughout history because we have nothing better to do. So, I mean, the whole thing about this being called Do You Know Her is it's generally women that you should know and that you might not necessarily know because history tends to be written by men. Yes. Big facts, big facts. Okay, so um, obviously if you guys are listening, you can tell that we don't have the same accent. So where are we from? And who are Um, we? (laughs) Where are we? Do you know where she is? Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm from West Yorkshire in England. Um, That's where I'm at. So up north, uh, big up the north. Oh my God, you're so far away from me. (laughs) (laughs) I am from New Orleans, uh, Louisiana originally, and I still live in Louisiana because of school. So she is like half a continent and a whole ocean away from me, basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. That's that's kind of the whole basis of this, I guess. And um, where my interest in history came from is I was like a horrendously nerdy little child um used to read loads I was obsessed with the Tudors for a while in primary school um there was a series called Horrible Histories which started out as a series of books aimed at kids and it was kind of like it wasn't talking down to kids or treating them like idiots it got adapted into a tv series which is pretty good like um they take out popular songs and make them into parodies of historical events and it's kind of why I reckon I'm into musicals and stuff like Hamilton and Les Mis now because I had horrible histories growing up. So that's me. I've always been interested in history. So when I went to college, um, I majored in history. And then now I'm in grad school going after a master's in history. So I am around this all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty solid. Uh, though, yeah. Yeah. So what are our names? Who are these disembodied voices that everybody's listening to right now? Uh, voice one, voice two. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm Aria. Okay, and I'm Jania. And two so, J's. so two J's. We have Javeria, and we have Jania, which is me. So we can go ahead and get started. So let's let's just tell them like who we're talking about today. So who are you talking about, Javeria? So I'm going to be talking about Mary Ann Cotton. She's like one of the first recorded female serial killers in English history. Ooh, fancy. I am doing like the big daddy of female serial killers, I think. Um, Elizabeth Bathory. I know like a little bit about her. I think I just heard like the basic mythologies about her, but like I didn't know anything really until I started like searching about her. But this, she's a wild, wild ride. She's a wild ride. Yeah, even like her basic facts are a wild ride. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so. Elizabeth Bathory. Okay, so we're in the roller coaster. We're putting our seatbelts on. Get ready. Like we're about to. It's about to be some 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 wild stuff going on here. Okay, so Elizabeth Bathory is born August seventh, fifteen sixty, in Hungary to the noble family of Bathory, and her family is like stupid rich. Like they own a lot of land. So at the time, this is the kingdom of Hungary, which is not like just little baby Hungary like we have now, but it includes a bunch of like other lands so what's now hungary slovakia and romania all of her family owned sizable amounts of land in these areas so her family is protestant but like lots of people in her family end up becoming kings so i think one of her uncles was like the king of poland and 
like cardinals, judges, knights. So all of these roles, if you haven't noticed, are things that people can be in, like be exempt from laws and justice, basically. Um, so she has a super privileged life. So she has lots of money and land. She ends up getting a decent education. She's fluent in like four languages, which I think was like um, German and Latin and Greek and something else. And she allegedly gave birth to a child at the age of 13 that was fathered by like a little peasant boy in the village, but the child was given away. Allegedly. Allegedly. And she's exposed to lots of violence as a kid. And this violence is encouraged by her family. So allegedly one of her uncles was into Satanism, but like, who knows? And then of course there's just lots of violence going on and everyone's fine with it. So this isn't even the weirdest part of this story by a stretch, but she got engaged at age 10, which was sort of common at this time with like, lots of nobility in different countries. Like they would get betrothed when they were like sometimes single digits, but they wouldn't actually get married until they were like teenagers. But she gets engaged at 10 and then married at age 15 to this guy named Count Nadasti. And Count Nadasti the nasty. (laughs) He's nasty. Okay. Um, So she was adamant about keeping her last name. Right. So normally, you know, like, you get married during this time, you take your husband's name. She was not with that. She's not with that shit at all. So apparently her husband changed his name to hers or something. So when she gets married, she gets a castle as a wedding gift from her husband's (laughs) family. A castle. Gold right there, man. I want a castle. Right. If I don't get a castle as a gift at my wedding, I don't want to have a wedding. <laughs> like, Turn right back around up the aisle. just now. Right. Like, why do I need champagne glasses and a mixer and a blender Like, when I could just get a castle? But that's what we were doing back then. So this is the castle that they move into that everything else starts going down. And so her husband builds her a torture chamber to her liking. <laughs> that is some wedding gift like the castle was one thing and then he's just like gone the extra mile there it's like how do you he sat there and was like okay how do i get better than a castle what can i do that's better than that i know i'm gonna build this torture chamber as you tell me to do it so he builds it for his 15 year old wife but (laughs) at the time out of interest right so he is away a lot always like fighting wars and just doing things so he's not always at the castle which is why when she does all her torturing and stuff he's not always there but the weird thing is that apparently i'm gonna tell you what all she's done to people but apparently it wasn't that bad until after her husband died So she's really terrible. And then after her husband dies, it gets worse because allegedly he kept her from being too wild. So he dies in 1604. He's 48 years old and he dies from some weirdo illness that we don't know about. Um, And she ramps this shit up. Like she just goes wild. So with her husband, she had four kids that we know about, but there's rumored to maybe have been two more, but it's possible like they could have died before her. Um, like reaching childhood or whatever, but we know she had four kids between 1585 and 1595. Um, So she has four kids, uh, three girls and one boy. So now we're about to get to the hot stuff, which you came to listen to. So these are just how she started torturing and murdering people. 
So she starts off with peasant girls and she abducted them with the help of her nurse and a local witch. And initial victims, initial victims were between the age of 10 and 14 years old, 10 and 14. So what she would do is sometimes these people would come like by force and sometimes they would be lured there. Like she would say, Oh, I have a great paying job. Like come and work for me. And they would come there and then she would just like ruin their lives. So she went from servants and peasants and eventually moved on to like lesser gentry and then, you know, like noble women. And of course, that's when it all gets discovered. But these are just some of the ways that she went off the deep end here. So putting pins and needles under the servant girl's fingernails, tying them up and putting honey on them so they could get attacked by bees and ants. Oh, man eating pieces of flesh off of their bodies. And she apparently even forced one girl to cook and eat her own flesh. Oh, that's the, oh, that's bad enough that she's taking it off them and eating them, but then you make it, the girl Just prepare for so all. terrible. So she also would beat them really badly, burn them, mutilate them, obviously. She would force her victims to freeze or to freeze to death, either by pouring ice cold water on them or just leaving them out in the snow to freeze to death. She would starve them to death. She will burn them with hot tongs and throw them in freezing water and allegedly thought that human blood could keep her looking young and healthy. So I guess she said, Botox, why do that when I can just take baths in human blood? So like um, vampire facials are kind of a thing like Kim K and all those sorts of people. Yeah. Oh my God. Okay. So <laughs> the Guinness world record calls her the most prolific female murderer ever, ever. So she's rumored to have tortured and killed hundreds of young women between 1585 and 1609. So that's about 25 years of activity. So think about that 25 years of her abducting like girls and torturing them and killing them and, has having this torture chamber in her castle and remember that her family are all like kings and judges and everything so nothing can happen to her right everyone knows that she's doing this by the way it's not like it's not like a well-kept secret like a lot of people know her reputation you know so it's not like no one knows what she's doing so eventually she gets caught and she only gets caught because she starts using the daughters of noblemen as her victims and apparently Peasants didn't matter during this time, so that was that. But during her trial, the highest amount of women that she was said to have tortured and killed is 650, but there isn't like actual proof of this. It's just a number that like someone said was in a book, but then they couldn't find the book, so they didn't really admit it. So the range of people that she may have killed or tortured is anywhere from 36 people to 650 people that's you know this is quite a big range quite there you know and if you think about it if peasants didn't matter to people it could be way more than 650 right so it's definitely more than 36 definitely more than that um she was well known like i said for torturing peasants and servant girls but obviously she never faced any consequences because money gets you everywhere in life so she didn't have to really worry about getting caught until she moved up the hierarchy, basically. Um, So she and her co-conspirators, which were about, she had about two to four accomplices. They were all tried. 
Um, but they were only tried for 80 counts of murder and all of them except her were executed. So her co-conspirators were executed and her punishment was confinement to a room. So this is what happened. They locked her in a room in a castle and then bricked up the room and they only left holes in it for air and food to be passed through. And she was discovered about three years after she was sentenced to be dead in the room. So she just randomly died. We don't know if it was from like starving or what it was from, but she dies bricked up in the room. So she is in terms of like folklore and legend. She's right up there with like Vlad the Impaler, who ends up becoming the inspiration for Dracula. Like there's lots of stuff about her. She's said to have been like, kind of like, they call her the blood countess. And ironically, when she dies, they try to have a funeral for her at a church, but everyone pitches up this big fit, understandably, because they were like, why would you put a serial killer in the church? So they had to move her body to her family crypt. And even then, like, even though they moved her body to like her family mausoleum or whatever, you no one actually knows like where her body is because her grave isn't actually like marked. So lots of fun stuff going on there. So that that's Elizabeth Bathory. I guess I kind of empathize with her family there because like you get your cousins and you get your terrible cousins and then you get someone like that. And and the wild thing is that um, the king, I think the guy who's the king of Hungary at this time, he was the one who was like pushing for her to be executed. And like some friend of her husband who was like conducting the investigation was pretty much like, no, 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 no. Like don't kill her, whatever. And so she had quite a bit of privilege here, like lots of it. She was able to get away with this for a very long time and people knew about it, but it wasn't until like the nobleman's daughter started going missing that, that it became a thing that people were like, Oh no, we actually have to stop her. So she's pretty, she's pretty, pretty wild. I mean, the castle that was her wedding gift is still there today. Um, you can visit it if you want to. And, Mm -hmm. um, I had, (laughs) I had the castle name in here, but I forgot what it is. So I'm looking it up again because I want to see what it's called. But, um, the castle still stands there. It's very old and it's located. It's called the cat. I'm saying this wrong, most likely, but it's the catch castle. C-A-C-H-T-I-C-E castle. And it's in Slovakia. And it definitely looks like it definitely looks like a place where like people would be getting needles shoved under their fingernails and like blood baths will be happening. That seems well within the realm of like possibility. Um, but yeah. So, okay. So what do you think now that I've told you all this, how are we feeling about her? What do you think? So I'm looking up her castle on Google images and apparently people go on tours in and around it. Um, not sure I understand why you'd want to, like, up and close with it. Afar, I can understand. There's even a highlights page. Um, You can see the castle ruins. You can see the museum. It's like, and they, oh, yeah, I just, it just blows my mind a bit that you can just kind of get up close and personal with it. Right. Kind of that, like, I wouldn't want to tempt fate or whatever higher powers that you believe in. I'm just paranoid it would be haunted. And like, yeah. I haven't ever had a ghost experience, but like, I, <laughs> I don't, I don't, 
I can't imagine. Like, knowing all of that, there's no way I would go into that castle. Like, I'm yeah. pretty sure she probably stayed behind to haunt the castle, like, just purely out of spite. So, yeah. I don't know. I just... It was so strange because, like, as I was reading up about her, it was said that she was allegedly bisexual and that it was also alleged that her husband was one of her torture victims, but there's obviously, like, nothing to definitively say that. Um so, like, if we take away the murder and stuff, <laughs> she's a fascinating, She's had, she had a fascinating life, you know, like, getting married and refusing to change your name. And you know what I'm saying? Like, that's really interesting. I mean, the family yeah, I mean, that, that she comes time, from. But, pretty, yeah. I mean, like, from that period of time, that is pretty badass and unheard of to not take your husband's name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then once you add in the 36 to 650 people that she killed. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's like a thin line between like badass and like complete psychopath. Right. And they, the reason for like such a big range in terms of like how many people they think she tortured and killed is because a lot of the people who like witnessed her, there was someone who actually witnessed her kill two servant girls. And then there were like reports from people who helped her out. So lots of people had different conflicting numbers. So one person said 36, another person said 50, someone else said 100, someone else thought they saw 650. So it's really like all over the place. And they did find like graves with like, you know, bodies of people and they found like survivors who had been mutilated by her, but there's still no way to know how many. All we need to know is it was a lot. Yeah, I um, like the bit about how people might have helped her kill servant girls, whatever. Like, you know, so when the inquiry comes knocking or however it was done, they're like, oh, yeah, Elizabeth Vettori, yeah, like 20 years ago, me and her kind of, you know, killed a servant girl casually back in the day. Yeah, and I'm the weird thing is like, even for this time, like that level of violence, you know, like, is wild to even think about because I think we think like the 1500s we just assume like people were just dying like left and right no big deal but this is so wild to me like I just I'm I'm wild about it and like she would have like her torture sessions she would base them around like certain celebrations so like her daughter had a wedding and got <laughs> married and her response was like torture party and my blood orgy. And I'm just like, okay, girl, like, so clearly you know how to party. We know that, but like, yeah, if you could just take it down from a hundred. Like that would be great. Yeah. So, Oh wow. It's Christmas. Let's, you know, let's, let's throw a few servant girls onto a torture rack or something. Right. Right. Okay. So now, that was her. I'm not wild about her. I don't really like her that much after reading everything. But I'm confident that if anybody wanted to make like a movie about her being a vampire, like there's perfect fuel for it. I'm I'm into it. I'm ready for it. I want to know about your serial killer. So who who are who are you working on this week? Okay, my serial killer. <laughs> okay, so Mary Ann Cotton. She was born as Mary Ann Robson in 1832. Um she was actually born on the 31st of October, 1832. So I think that would make her 136 years old. Yeah. Um, omens right there. So she was a convicted serial killer. And she was from near where Sunderland is today. So that's kind of a bit further up north from me. Um, so her dad worked as a coal miner. And he died when she was about eight years old, I think it was eight to ten years old, somewhere around there. So her father died 
and her mum got remarried to another minor because at that time the cottage where they were living it was linked to her dad's occupation it was for families of minors and if he died and they'd been there then they would have to move but mm-hmm. her mum got remarried she didn't get on with her stepdad she left home at 16 to become a nurse but she ended up coming back within the next three years and she trained as a dressmaker so she was married to four men in total over the course of her life. So husband number one, William Mowbray. So he was a lo- he was a labourer, and she married him when she was twenty. And they moved to Southwest England, so the other side of the country, essentially. And so we didn't find this out until her trial later on. But she may have had about four or five children, and dying, they would have died young. But because um, it wasn't until eighteen seventy four that legislation was made that you had to register death. So. They don't actually know about that. And the only record that they have of any kids is one daughter, Margaret, in 1856. So eventually they move back up to the northeast and she has another daughter called Isabella. Margaret, her first daughter, dies. And she has another daughter called Margaret that she names after because I think it was a practice at the time. So you have your first child and if that child dies, you just give your next child the same name as you do. Replacement child. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would like to return this to the store, please. I have a gift receipt. Yeah, this one didn't work out. Let's just give it the same name. Um, and she ends up having a son as well, about 1863, and he dies from gastric fever. So you might want to keep that bit in mind about gastric fever. Gastric fever? What is that? Uh, it's like stomach fever. Oh, yikes. It sounds terrible, so Nasty. I believe it. Yeah, and her husband ends up dying in 1865, and he dies of an intestinal disorder. So that's kind of, you know, same kind of scope in your body. Mm-hmm. Her husband's life and her kid's life were happened to have insurance policies on them, coincidentally. Um, the payout that she got from her husband's death was £35, and that would be equivalent to about £3,000 in modern money. I don't know how much that is in US money, but it sounds like a lot. So um, so at that time, it had been half a year's wages. And in US money, modern day £3,000 is about, wow, the exchange rate is rubbish. It's $3,850. Okay, so basically about the same thing. <laughs> yeah, just about the same. Wow, okay. The, I wasn't aware of the exchange rate being that low right now. So, okay, husband number one's dead. She moves and she has a relationship with a guy called Joseph Natras. Keep this guy in mind. She ends up having Margaret the second, you know, the replacement child. Mm-hmm. She dies as well. So she has one kid out of the nine that she's had altogether at this point. Not a really good, you know, um, rate of survival there. Yeah, not really the best track record here. <laughs> so she comes back and she's employed at the Sunderland Infirmary at the House of Recovery for the Cure of Contagious Fever Dispensary and Humane Society. So she's a nurse and she sends her one remaining kid to go live with her mum. One of her patients, um, he's an engineer, and she ends up getting married to him. He's called George Ward. She marries him in August 1865 and he he's still he's still ill until he dies in October 1866, so just over a year later. And it's an illness characterised by paralysis and intestinal problems. It's a bit of a common theme popping up here. Ooh, intestinal, yeah. okay. And the doctor thinking... even notes down that he's been ill, but the death was quite sudden. So the doctor's like, mm, okay. Uh, husband number three. Ooh, so, three. So she's just powering through him right now. 
yeah, she's just, she's just, you know, she's making her way quickly through them. So husband number three, his wife had recently died and he hired Mary as a housekeeper. Um, things happen. His kid died of gastric fever and he needed some comfort. She gets pregnant. His housekeeper is pregnant. Um, I'm guessing at that time it would have been quite a scandal. And she goes back to visit her mom. Her mom gets hepatitis and she begins to complain of stomach pains. Wow, nine this is so suspect. Yeah, nine days after Mary arrives to visit her mom, her mom dies. So, wow. you know. And then, so, this is her mother. Yeah, this is her mother. And then her surviving daughter, Isabella, one of nine, she's been married. So, you know, she comes back to the house. She gets severe stomach pains and she dies as well. What? Yeah. And then. Just hold on to this one. Two of James Robinson, so the guy that got her pregnant, two of his kids end up dying as well. Who is this woman? <laughs> She's just, you know, everyone just gets stomach pains around her and, and dies. So um, James Robinson marries her and they have a daughter. Daughter dies. Their second child, they've got a son called George. He was born in 1869. And by this time, James, he's got a bit suspicious. So she's been... And this time? Yeah. <laughs> a million people die. He gets suspicious and, you know, he's he's kind of, he thinks something's going on. Um, she keeps telling him to get life insurance and he's like, mm, don't really want to. And then he also discovers that she's got debt and she'd done it behind his back and she'd made his kids, you know, pawn off and sell off valuables. So he throws her out and he's like, you know what, I'm keeping the kid as well. You go. Oh, wow. Yeah. Then... Husband, some before, still to come yet. So she's like living on the streets, and her friend Margaret Cotton introduces her to her brother Frederick. And he's, you know, he's he's lost two of his kids already. And Margaret, so the sister of Frederick, had been acting like as a mom to the kids. She'd be like, you know, helping to raise them. They're called Frederick Junior and Charles. Mm-hmm. Margaret dies of an undetermined stomach ailment. I have a few questions. <laughs> yeah. Mary Mary kind of, you know, she, she comforts Frederick and she gets pregnant again. So that's baby number 12. She baby ends up, number 12. Yes, she ends up marrying Frederick, but at this point she's still married to James Robinson, so it's kind of bigamy, um, not legal at all. And they have a son. And then she finds out that her ex, Joseph, he's just living about 30 miles away. It's not that far at all. So she kind of persuades her husband and the family to kind of move closer to her ex. But I don't think he was aware that, you know, the ex is there. And so um, much nerve. Yeah. And Frederick dies of gastric fever and his life had been insured and his sons had been insured as well. Shocking. Um, She doesn't stop there. So Natris moves in with Mary. She gets a job as a nurse to a guy called John Quick Manning. She gets pregnant by John. Oh, again? She, okay, yeah. I gotta say, I really gotta give it up to her because what pregnancy is this? This is pregnancy number 13. So she's had 13 kids, but they've all died up until this point. Most of them. So at this point, I think she's got one surviving kid called George with the ex who got suspicious. What? Okay, I have so many. Okay, continue, continue. Continue. So Frederick Jr., so that was Frederick, husband number four's child, he dies. Uh, baby Robert also dies and then her ex Joseph who she'd moved all that way for he dies and get this it was just after he'd changed his will so that she'd benefit from it wow so at this point 
Charles Cotton, so that was husband number four's kid. He's like the only living one. And it was he was kind of her downfall. So a parish official, Thomas Riley, comes up to Mary's like, hey, are you going to help? I've got a job for you. Do you want to nurse this woman? And Mary's like, I can't because I'm looking after this kid who's not even mine. Can you put him in the workhouse? So the workhouse is like an institution where you put people, poor people basically to work. And, you know, she said, oh, you know, I'm basically too busy looking after my stepkid. And she says to him, I won't be troubled long. He'll go like all the rest of the cottons. What? <laughs> she basically, it's like, you know, when the villain tells you the entire plan. It's just, why would you, I have to wonder how comfortable she felt around this person to just let that kind of mistake happen. Like, (laughs) she won't be here long, like literally the rest of my family. Like, what? Okay, 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 okay. I have to know. I have to know. Five days later, Charles dies. And this guy, Thomas Riley, so the, the guy that she said that to, he's kind of suspicious. And he goes over to the doctor and he says, look, can you just delay writing a death certificate? Can you just hold on a bit while we investigate? They find out that when Charles died, the first place she went wasn't to the doctor. She went straight to the insurance office to collect her money. She's not even <laughs> giving it a rest. <laughs> no, and then, so then they kind of, you know, she there she finds out that she's not going to get money until they get a death certificate. They have a whole inquest and everything, and the jury says it's natural causes. And what? she goes, oh. What? She goes, Thomas is just chatting it because I rejected him. That's all it is. It's just a grudge. I didn't I didn't actually kill him or whatever. But then I think some local newspapers kind of looked at it and they were like, hold on, this woman's been moving around northern England for the past however many years. She's killed three husbands, a lover, a friend, her mom, and 11 kids, and everybody had ailments to do with their stomach. That's all very sus. I'm interested to know how she, I want to know how she did this. Um, so arsenic was what it looks like because arsenic it doesn't have any taste or flavour and it was relatively cheap at the time. So it would have been just nothing to like sneak it into people's food or however she did it. Wow. And it's a pretty nasty thing to die of because obviously you get stomach pains and fevers and you die. Um that's so of, that's kind of shitty because it's like, okay, her husband, I don't even know if I can say that I understand, but like, okay, her husband, you know, they're not related to her. It's whatever. But your kids, you want your kids to suffer from stomach pain? It's not even like one of those poisons where it's like, you know, I gave you too much and you just fell asleep. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's horrible. That's a really terrible thing to do. Yeah. Part of her defense. So, you know, obviously went to trial because they, um, dug up Charles's body again and they found arsenic samples um part of the defense part of the defense in the trial was that he had inhaled arsenic because it was used in the dye in the green wallpaper in their house but to have died from that he'd have had to be literally eating all the wallpaper in the house so jury knew straight off that is bs because no one's getting enough arsenic from wallpaper to be poisoned and die from it wow and then, like, I think the other defence that they kind of tried it was, okay, so you go to the chemist, and then there's arsenic powder, and then there's bismuth powder, which is used to, like, treat diarrhoea and stuff like that. So the chemist got distracted, and he accidentally gave him arsenic powder. That was, you know, also, the, the jury only took 90 minutes to come to a guilty verdict, so it's safe to say that they didn't buy it at all. So 90, like nine zero or 19? 
90, 90. So the jury went away for 90 minutes and then they're like, yeah, she's guilty. I feel like half of that was probably like a lunch break. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a lunch break. It's like, yeah. Hmm. So and, we're, all gonna, we're all gonna vote guilty, right? Okay, cool. Yeah. Can somebody pass me the sugar, please? Like, I feel like that's what it. That's what it had to be. Yeah, and then so she ended up getting executed. But the thing with the execution was, um, she didn't die from her neck breaking because it was like a rope. Limb. She actually died by being strangled, possibly by the rig rope being rigged too short. Could have been on purpose. We don't know. Wow. So okay, so they hung her. Yeah, and you're saying that she she dies from her neck breaking and not being strangled? No, no, she didn't die from her neck breaking because the neck breaking is usually how you die when you're being hanged. But um, it was because the rope was too short, and it might be in the executioner. Okay, so then if it's too short, so then what happened? Like, how does she die? Um, it's just strangled normally. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So it's like the reverse of what was supposed to happen. Yeah. Oh, that's worse. Okay, 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 okay. Wow. That was, yeah, that's Marianne Cotton. She sounds like a piece of work. She is a piece of work. And it's like really, um, there's something that I read up about. So when she went on trial, they had these like, you know, photos and depictions of her in the papers. And she was only like in her late 30s, maybe early 40s at that stage. But they kind of, not Photoshop, because obviously they didn't have Photoshop, but they kind of manipulated the images so that she looked like an old hag and not like, you know, the younger middle-aged woman that she actually was. Wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, so they made her look more like, you know, frightening and evil in the photos in the papers. And I wonder if that's to make her look more like a witch or something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, she sounds like just fun all the way around. Like, I can't even, you're pregnant 13 times. So by the end of this, do any of her kids survive or did she kill all of them? So there was George who... um, husband number three I think he was got custody off and then her last child Margaret Edith Quickman in Cotton she was the one she gave birth to her while she was in jail and obviously they'd have taken the baby away so she survived as well so two out of 13 children yeah I'm sure even like at this time that was a wild track record I'm sure you know like we had we expected that you know it's the 1800s but like two out of 13 I think the survival rate was something like 50%. So Right, so she should have had like six and a half kids survive. Six and a half kids, yeah. That, you know, that <laughs> six would, and a half. That, would, that, would, that would have been suspicious. Once it drops down to like, you know, five kids surviving, then you're like, oh, okay, you know what, something's up. No, that that that, that six kid was eating too much wallpaper. But like, <laughs> there's so much happening here. Okay, so I'm, I learned something new. So I did not yeah. know about her before. So, yeah. wow. Apparently, yeah, there's a there's a pub in Sunderland, and apparently that's where she used to live. I'm not sure how valid this is, so that's apparently where she used to live. And they think the remains of two of the kids are there, and you, they say that, you know, she haunts that pub. Mm, yet another place I don't want to go to because I don't want to see a ghost. No. I can I can imagine that, like, a bunch of people just go there and they're like, okay, I'm going to find the remains. I'm going to be that person. Like, I feel like there's, like, a couple overachievers out there who are like, I'm going to prove the rumors right this time. And then they go in there and she, like, you know, haunts them or whatever and they leave. But yeah. that's fascinating. That's really fascinating. It's just, like, you wouldn't think an insurance – I guess it wasn't a scam technically, but 
stuff like that, you know, plotting with insurance, you guess you wouldn't think that it was happening in the 1800s, but apparently it was. Yeah, there was this guy that I heard about also in England, but like apparently he like used to kill his wives in like a bathtub, but they couldn't figure out how he did it because none of them showed signs of drowning. And they also weren't like strangled or nothing. It was like they literally were just like dead in the tub and they couldn't actually prove like how he did it. But eventually after like four or five women, they were like, okay, but he did something similar too, where he would kill them after he made like a life insurance policy on them. And that was, that was that. Yeah. And the thing with arsenic as well is that it builds up in your system. So she could gradually poison them over time. It'll just get worse and worse and worse. And you wouldn't even know. Yeah. Wow. You, just, you just get really bad stomach pains and then you're dead. Ugh. Oh my goodness. Okay. 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 So we've both done some pretty terrible women. Okay. So if you can't tell already as you're listening to this, we won't be doing people that we always like necessarily. But <laughs> like we won't be doing people who are always like great individuals, but just like people who are fascinating or just like have done so much terrible things that we like have to talk about them. But you know, (laughs) Halloween is coming up. So we thought let's go ahead and drop a sprinkle of serial killer or two in the mix to get things started. So pretty much um, what we're going to be doing is like normally at this portion, we want you guys to like tell us about, women in, from your town or from your state slash what do they call them in England like provinces or something uh county counties okay where like y- these may be women who are cool or not cool but have just done like wild yeah. things or just really interesting things we want to know about that so tell them where they can send their stories to us well we have a little email address set up that we will be plugging on all our socials. So we've got do you know her podcast at gmail.com and then on Twitter we are do you know underscore pod. I like it. It's so cute when you say it like that. Is I it? like it. Yeah, do you know pod? <laughs> That's like my best like infomercial voice right there. Do you know pod? Call the number on your screen right now. I mean, I guess when you know when we get more and more established, we could have people calling in and telling us about the cool women from their area or from their heritage and things like that. Yes, oh, I love it! I'm so excited already. So we're super amped to be like doing this podcast and like going on this super fun journey and like teaching you guys about people you didn't know about or people you already did know about. Um, we're gonna be bi-weekly. Um, so that means that our next episode after this first one, so this first one's going to come out on Halloween, which means our next episode will come out just in time for Thanksgiving, um, on November 14th. And that one, we're going to be calling it, she's a Puritan. So we're going to be talking about some pretty cool Puritans because it's Thanksgiving in America, um, which I have feelings about, but we'll talk about it then. So plenty to talk about about thanksgiving and the puritans and maybe america in general yeah oh listen i have some stuff to say okay (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, so um, you guys can follow me on Twitter at the lady underscore Artemis and Javeria. Where can they follow you? Uh, I'm actually in the process of changing my Twitter name, so by the time this comes out, hopefully, I'll be at Javeria. So that's J A V A I R Y A underscore K. I love it. I'm, I love the song. Okay, so thank you guys so much for listening, and we will see you guys for our next episode. Mm-hmm.